And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. Three ah! are United States Astro Robots. They come a creature of death. Oh. And they. We have come here to this planet for. One purpose only, to acquire breeding stuff to repopulate our planet. Bugs and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast from Classic the Cults and the Cheese in Between. The movies are B, the entertainment is grade A. And I'm your host, Mr. Jason Giaconetti. And I'm joined once again by my dad, Mr. Al Giaconetti. Good afternoon, Jay. Uh, today we've got the 1976 Dino De version version of King Kong. And we'll get to it right after this. The American merchant vessel Petrox Explorer has just set sail from the port of Surabaya in search of oil. What they find will shock the world. We may be sailing into the history books. She's alive! You know, maybe my luck has changed. They will discover an uncharted island that is the home the most incredible creature on the face of the earth. A creature called Kong. Dino De Laurentiis presents the most exciting original motion picture event of all time. Fantastic adventure. Over the gate! King Kong. King Kong. Unlike anything you've ever experienced before. 
with Jeff Bridges, Charles Grodin, and introducing Jessica Lange as the beauty who charmed the beast. And starring the eighth wonder of the world, King Kong. King Kong was released December 17, 1976, with a 134-minute running time. Uh, your director was John uh, Gillerman. Uh, John Gillerman, of course, um, uh, British, and he passed away in 2015. He was known for Tarzan's Great Adventure, uh, Tarzan Goes to India, The Blue Max, obviously King Kong, King Kong Lives, which is the sequel to this. Um, and then uh, you, your producer, of course, is Dino De Laurentiis, who is famous for being Dino De Laurentiis, and literally all the movies and things that he's produced. Your screenplay is by uh, Lorenzo Semple Jr. Now, Lorenzo Semple Jr. Um, would actually work on the Batman TV series back in the day, uh, Three Days of the Condor, stuff like that, as a writer. Um, and then, um, your, your, again, your credit here is for James Creelman, Creelman and uh, Ruth, Raw, uh, Ruth Rose, excuse me, are giving credit for King Kong, the idea of the, um, you know, the original, and then Miriam C. Cooper, of course, and then Edgar Wallace for the book. Uh, so they are all given credits as based upons, with uh, your stars being Jeff Bridges, Charles Grodin, and Jessica Lang. Music by John Barry. Um, and then your production company, of course, of Dino De Laurentiis uh, Corporation, per, uh, distribution by Paramount. So your budget here was $24 million, 1976 money. That's big money. Big money. Um, this was a, definitely a blockbuster. And, of course, its, its profit is just under $91 million. Uh, so technically, this movie is a success. And that is uh, the important part there is that this movie is considered by many people to be a financial success because of the numbers based on, but not a success in what was there. So in, uh, in the mid-'70s, right around 74, uh, Michael Eisner, he was an, an executive at ABC before he became the guy, the guy at Disney for a while. Um, he actually was in talks with uh, doing an idea of a King Kong remake, um, and they actually proposed the idea to Universal Studio uh, CEO Sidney Shel uh, Shelberg and Paramount CEO Barry Diller. Uh, now, De Laurentiis quickly came in and got the rights from RKO General. Now, RKO at this point isn't even a, a movie studio anymore. It's just a bunch of people who are collecting residuals off the stuff their uh, dead uh, grandparents did. Um, and he hired Lorenzo Semple Jr. to write the script. He quickly hired John uh, Gillerman on, obviously, as the director. And they began filming from January uh, of 76 to August 76. So before the release, Universal actually sued De Laurentiis and RKO uh, General uh, saying a breach of contract because they, they themselves were creating the legend of King Kong. Um, in response, De Laurentiis and RKO countersued and all of the, the and all of this kind of blew over in January 76. The issue became uh, that when you when, when the, those lawsuits happened, that the legend of Kong, which was supposed to be was supposed to think it was Danforth, right? Which when yep. they stop motion. Um, it was supposed to be a very little different kind of story, but based on King Kong, and there's no way you get it together. And De Laurentiis certainly was not having uh, the Universal people come on board with the, uh, you know, the RKO, not RKO, with Paramount. It was all going to be his way or no one. Either no, he was making it or no one's making it. I mean, that, it might have been Universal's mistake when, in getting the, the rights uh, from uh, RKO, RKO yeah. you know, before even 
announcing that they were going to make a movie. Well, the problem was though because they felt yeah. that it was in the public domain. And what happens is after them, after all this is done, it's ruled it is in the public domain. Oh. King Kong's in the public, so they were like, but it's in the public domain the whole time. So Universal has always felt that they were screwed over That's here. Was 50, 50 some years later. Yeah, yeah. They, but they always felt they were screwed over here by the fact that De Laurentiis was throwing a lot of money around, and it was. I mean. Again, Universal, Paramount, we're not talking about two lightweights here. We're talking about heavy hitters. But Dino De Laurentiis now getting in there. A lot of money was thrown around. Lawsuits were happening. And the problem is he started filming already. As he started filming, they hadn't filmed anything. Yeah. So I, mean, I guess I guess from the point of view of who, who started first, uh, you know, actually weighed a lot heavier than, uh, hey, why can't we make, make the two of them? Well, but they were never going to make two of them. Yeah. They were never going to make two of them. Even and though, even though they were, one, was, one was basically, story-wise, a remake of 1933, and The Legend of Kong would have been a prequel. To, to yeah, Kong. well, yeah. It would have been, again, there's some rumor that it would have been a straight prequel. It might have actually tied more into the, um, it might have tied more into the, uh, the original crew that lands on the island. It might have gone into the idea of what, what it is. There was... The problem was they didn't have their ducks all in a I, row. If I remember correctly, I think that was one of the things that when, when I was reading the, the making of Kong, that big book, all I could think of was, geez, you could make a, a, a book based on the story of the skipper of the Norwegian bark. Right. Right. So. And that would have been, I mean, the, the, again, the, you're not in New York. You're dealing with, with an island full of dinosaurs. And uh, that could have been something else. And actually, it could have been. The, the Lost World. Right, uh, exactly, yeah. yeah. And that's part of the problem is they were never making two of these movies. So they, you know, again, it all depends on who strikes first sometimes, and, and this is what we got. So, uh, and then, of course, uh, we know that um, Kong, uh, obviously, that this, this movie lead, leads into the sequel in 86, King Kong Lives, which you can hear in the archives over at Two Shoe Freaks when John LeMay and I cover it uh, previously, uh, when we covered that way back um, in, when did we cover that? We covered that. Uh, I, back in May. Uh, no, yeah, in April. Excuse me, in April. We covered that back in April um, when John and I talked about it. All right. So in, 19, in the 1970s, Fred Wilson, and that is Charles Grodin, um, is an executive oil company and forms an based on an infrared image imagery which reveals the previously undiscovered uh, Indian Ocean island hidden by a permanent cloud bank. Okay. So um, you're going to notice as we go through this, folks, uh, neither Dad nor I are huge fans of uh, Kong 76, but... We're going to give this movie credit where it deserves credit. The idea that um, to change it up from being people going to an island to try to find whatever to going to look for oil makes perfect sense. The 1970s, uh, the oil embargo and everything else. Right. Um, it also solves a lot of the problem because they're now bringing oil tankers with them across the ocean. That makes perfect sense. Um, the idea that there's uh, the chemicals are causing the constant fog around the island makes a lot of sense. They, again, there's a lot of good pieces here, folks. That's the problem. There's a there's a good skeleton here. It just doesn't have the meat on the bones sometimes. So uh, we get there. Okay. So they believe that there are huge deposits of oil on the island, um, and they believe that that's how they're going like, to basically uh, win the entire oil. You know, again, if you have an, a source of oil that no one else can tap into, you. I mean, that's you know the Texas tea, the black gold, you know, kind of thing, right? They so, mm. um, and then you get. Um, you get paleontologist uh, you know, J uh, Jack Prescott. Now, that is a uh, very young Jeff Bridges um, who looks like he needs a ham sandwich and a shave. Uh, he desperately, yeah, he desperately needs it uh, you know, to no end. He actually sneaks on the ship, um, and he wants to warn the team about going to the island because he's citing that there are 
um, ominous messages about the roar of the great beast. And he's worried that whatever they're going to go do on that island is going to disturb the ecosystem of the island, whether it be he believes there's a giant monkey or not, oh. you know, kind of thing. He believes that oh. there's something there that he doesn't want them to go and disturb with their you know, pursuit for oil, right? Um, so, of course, they lock him in the storm, the, the storm room, or the storeroom because, you know, he's clearly has to be a spy for another company. Yeah, and, they, they don't have a brig. Right. Well, well yeah, because it's not a, not a warship. It's right, a, yeah. yeah. Right. But the thing is, but it makes perfect sense. Everything up to this point, you're like, wow, this all makes really good sense. It's not just telling 1933 again. It's not just rehashing the same story that was from the book. It's changing things up. It's an oil tanker. We, you know, you're gonna need something big at some point. So this is a this isn't a, a ship. This is I mean, this is not a boat. This is a ship. This is like a huge thing. And it makes sense that now instead of being just the first mate in the ship, that now he's uh you know a uh, he's you know um going in there as a as a paleontologist, but also going in there trying to think about like a primate, you know. Uh, worry about the what's on the island. Um, so okay, so they lock him up, and they turns out that he's really not a spy. But then they come up, kind of floating there, and they find the beautiful and unconscious Dwan D W A N because you switch the A and the W, just like she said in the movie, right? And that is of course Je a very young Jessica Lange here. Jessica Lange would go on to play many um, you know roles where she would get roles. major roles, uh, you know, uh, uh, roles where she would win um, you know acclaim and stuff like that. Uh, this is not that role, so just kind of bear with us here. Uh, so Dwan is an actress who is uh, was on a yacht that exploded uh, or caught fire. It's kind of it. They talk about it kind of just like the yacht must have exploded and she was sent to drift and whatever. But how it explodes and stuff like that kind of yeah, left up. That's not important, right? No. But we know that she is now on this lifeboat um, wearing very little clothing, uh, and 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 she, there now they bring her on the ship. Um, when she wakes up, she tells uh, Jack that she's an aspiring actress and she was on the yacht and all that stuff. And that the, the rest of the voyage, we have Jack and Dwan becoming an item. Like they're kind of like falling for each other. Um, and the funny part is when she wakes up, that's when you get the scenes of them trying to clothe her. Uh, because no one on this ship has, has a waist as small as uh, Jessica Lange. Right. And yet they somehow manage to find a pair of blue jeans that she cuts into a pair of insanely high Daisy Dukes. Yes. And at least the shirts make sense. They're cutting up shirts to make a shirt for her, but they're all taking off the shirts they're wearing. It's kind of gross. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. Especially the cook. They're like, put that back on, man. What are you doing? So um, so as you're going through this, again, nothing here is so out of place. Nothing here is seems crazy. And I can honestly tell you, the the uh, obviously any of the, 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 the visuals so far have looked great. The Oh, yeah. Everything looks top notch. You're like, okay, this yeah. is a movie that clearly spent a lot of money. Right, but you know, you know, you know, why is is, is uh, uh, Jessica Lange in the in the in the picture? Because the public, God love them, must have a pretty face. Yeah. Well, she also was on the ship that blew up, so she's you know as lucky as uh, Anne because if she's stealing an apple. Uh, so uh, they arrive at the islands. They go through the fog and they arrive at the island. And they discover so they they get to the island and they go, it's uninhabited. And of course, they immediately as soon as they say that, their drums start in, and that's and that right there, folks, is probably exactly described this movie. Uh, monkeys can't swim, yeah, yeah, or whatever. Or this, you know, like there's no one here. There's a giant wall, which looks great, yeah, really well yeah. done, and the drums immediately start. Right, so you're like, oh, okay, we're gonna go there. So they now they uh, they go they work their way through the in, in, into the encampment where they uh, 
They find the giant wall protecting the uh, the natives from their mysterious god known as Khan. Um, they see giant deposits of what appears to be oil uh, bubbling, bubbling up. And again, they don't know whether it's good or bad or not, but it, it definitely looks like oil. It has the viscosity and looks like that. And of course, what happens is now during this, this scene, now this scene is done in full, broad daylight, full color. Who, whoever choreographed the job, the, the costumes look great. All the money's on the screen, folks. It's not like they're you're saying yeah. someone's lying in their pockets. You're putting it out there. They notice the, the, the people who look a little different than they do there, and they come up. And of course, they now see... Uh, Dwan, who's, who's blonde, who's blonde, right? Yeah. And they offer twelve of their girls for her, and she goes, "Tell them I like them, but not in that way." And then that's the line, of course. Denim would have said, "Blondes are pretty scarce around, around here. here," and you've heard that said that many times. Um, but it's true, is that you know that she stands out, uh, obviously, from being you know so different. But when you look at what they're doing, they're going to sacrifice a young woman uh, to Kong, and they have uh, straw on her hair to give her blonde hair to make her appealing to Kong. And again, that to me, I don't know, it's maybe a little weird. I thought it was, that was a stretch. Yeah, but I'm saying is, but like, I, I mean, mean, they wouldn't have known about blondes, right? Blondes. Yeah, I mean, there's not, you know, what I'm saying is, um, but it's, again, maybe it was just the idea of putting the straw on her to be like a, like a okay. crown or like right. a decorative or something, right. not necessarily blonde hair, but here it's really pushed to that level. In the original, they certainly don't put anything on their native's hair to make it. No. So they have bones and they have whatever else kind of thing, but they don't like put straw on her to make her look like she's blonde. Anyway, so, um, you know, now they're going to have to fight their way out, but they say just fire up in the air and it scares them off. And they, they do in fact uh, now have to retreat. Um, so back at the boat, uh, Jack has decided he's going to, you know, go to the Island and uh, look into the, uh, you know, what the legend of Kong oh, is. Yes. But Dewan is kind of like stare, and she's like, so at this point is when Jack's like, well, I'm going to go get the rations. You go back to your room, and they're going to go back and make love in the, in the room. And I'm like, okay. So you know that's – see, this thing is, it's 1976, so you want to say that because if you don't say that, people don't know you mean that. Whereas, like, it was all implied with Jack and Anne in the original. Like, you know, kind of you're – Well, this Jack said to her, Jack don't like girls. And it was – and you know, and then I like says, him well enough. Well, but yeah. No, what he says, he said, "Well, but you're not any, you're not any woman. Like, yeah. You don't like women." And then, uh, then he says to her, he "says Do you like me? Like, like I think you like me." And there's something whatever that. Right, but I'm saying it. Like, and so, but that's that's being too naive. No, no, I understand that. But I'm saying is, it, but it's like it. It literally couldn't be like she's like hanging out by the boat. Oh no! no at, and, this, at this point in time, yeah. I mean, if she's not panting, he's is. I mean, right. But I'm saying is like it's, they, everyone knows what they want to be doing here. It's just it seems I don't know. I, don't, I kind of see the, the dialogue. The dialogue in this movie is stilted at times. It's it's yeah. poor. I mean, that's really well, the best way to describe it. That's you know the, that's Lorenzo Simple's fault for this yeah. for this entire movie because a good story with good dialogue yeah. will always trump poor special effects or whatever. Right. Uh, but. Let's get on with it because yeah. we, we can we can be so, dead horse. So anyway, here. so the, now the natives come and they kidnapped Juan, and of course they drop on her and they have the necklace so they know right. it. But I like the fact that they drug her here instead of just grab her and like kind of yank her ashore, um, which makes a lot of sense. And now she is then you know dressed up and she is now offered as the sacrifice to come. Um, and Jack of course finds the the necklace and they go we got to go get Juan back. So they you know everyone gets in the boats and they go raid the island right. Um, and then that's when you have. Duan is in and put up on the giant, you know, uh, altar 
to offer to Kong. And you're like, well, this looks good. Everything looks good here. Now, the problem is, and, and, and some people wrongly accuse um, Rick Baker of being the reason that things right. are bad. Um, Carlo uh, Rambaldi is the guy that you want to probably throw some shade at here if you want to throw shade. Here's the problem. Kong walks up and you're like, man, don't be standing straight up and down. He is. That is not Rick Baker's fault. Rick Baker wanted to play it more like an ape. They told him straight up and down. He goes, but it doesn't make any sense. Gorillas don't walk like that. We don't care. They want him as humanoid as possible. Now, the, the suit is Rick Baker's suit. suit. And the suit looks good. Yeah. Again, for a suit, um, you know, kind of thing, it looks good. It, I mean, it's, it's passable and, and you know, whatever. But it looks weird because he's standing straight, straight up, and, up down and down like a human being. And, you know, I, what I don't understand is the, that he's that walking on, on – not he's not going to be walking on all fours because Kong didn't walk on all fours either. But he would put his – his, his knuckles down every so often in the movie. Here, I mean, Rick Baker, he, he couldn't be straight down unless he had a rod in his back. Right. Now, the reason, one of, one of the things that happened, this is, he had done a movie called Squirm just before this, and that was his first movie. But he's 24 years old. And when he was asked to come in and, and, and be a, com- a competitor for the suit with Rambaldi, he, with the suit that he came up with, uh, was what you see on the screen. Rambaldi's suit looked more like a missing link. And it was Rick Baker who actually talked De Laurentiis out of using this. He said, that's not a gorilla. That is a human being. And so the compromise was, well, we'll, we'll take your suit, but you got to walk like a human. Right. And and so that's well, how the, it... That's the a, other problem was, too, was uh, Rambaldi wanted oh, to use a rumbo- robotic... Uh, yeah. A robot the whole time. Well, you know, again, year it was be- never going to work. The year before, all the trouble that Spielberg had with the with the with, uh, with, uh, with Bruce and with, Jaws. with Bruce, had, that the Laurentiis said, "Look, I know how to do it. You build me a mechanical guy, and we'll use the mechanical guy the whole time. The mechanical guy was supposed to walk, sit, uh, yeah. use his arms, move his mouth, his, uh, the whole thing. The mechanical man, he would he couldn't move. You know, he, he was like spray painted." To, into into uh, statue, and it was all it was. Yeah. So they didn't use it. Well, they actually, they did use it at the very end of the movie for about five seconds, yeah, just to put it in there. Otherwise, uh, they would have paid him for all that money for doing right. absolutely yeah. nothing. So yeah, I just was saying. So it's not for those of you who want to throw shade at Rick Baker. It's not Rick Baker doing that. He tried the best he could. Um, it just was this. Some people just don't want to hear it. They just they don't want, they don't care. They're gonna do, we're gonna do this, and it's like this is gonna be bad, but okay. Um, so John, uh, so Juan is taken. She goes into the jungle. Now, this is when we get. Um, she tries to get away. She falls into what I'm assuming is a whole pile of poop. Right. Um, now she smells. So Kong washes her off. I mean, but she's screaming at him. She's yelling at him. She calls him a chauvinist. I mean, just in case you forgot, it was the 1970s. They made sure they put all that stuff in because he's he's a giant monkey. He's not going to know what you're saying, lady. Um, but of course. She just you know, keeps monologuing at the beast because that's all she can do. Um, so after she gets filthy, he takes her to a waterfall and then washes her off, which, again, is a very iconic scene from the film. Um, and then he starts blow-drying her by blowing oh, yeah. air on her. Uh, just saying that's, you know. You know, the, you know, after this, though, her demeanor towards him changes. Right. And it's not like, uh, you know, he's now her best friend, but she's talking to him like, like a buddy. Yeah. Okay. okay. Now, in Jackson's uh, Kong, um, 
you know, the um, Naomi Watts. Naomi Watts. She does, she starts out fearful, but once he laughs while she's doing her dance, it sort of like changes her demeanor too towards yeah. him. Well, he becomes her protector in that yeah. movie. And he again. The yeah, one but, main but thing she doesn't know that. Well, no, but but, he, but she does one step a lot. Once the V Rex oh, no, after yeah, her, yeah, yeah. But I mean, but up until that, she, yeah, 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 she, right. He could honestly just pick her up and eat her. I mean, yeah, you know. But, it's, but I think that's part of what the thing is because there's no dangers to her. What what dangers? It's Juan facing this movie. Oh no, that's what that's I mean. what I'm saying. There's no yeah. dangers. Yeah. Once once uh, once Anne is facing dangers in in either Kong, yeah. then uh, then you know. But the thing is, but even in 33, she never wants to stay there. No, um, you no. know, kind of thing. She's always trying to get away. Right. No, so. and that's at this point when 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 Juan now uh, is in a, is in a more friendlier mood with Kong. The one thing you notice here, there are no other animals anyway. There's no birds in the sky. There's no nothing. There, there's no there's no chirping. There's no roars in the background. I mean, this is supposed to be an island full of uh, dinosaurs, or at least other animals. other animals. I mean. When you see where he where he go, I mean, what is he eating? Yeah. There's just enough berries that can get you to be, you know, 150 feet tall. Right. Um, you know, so then we, um, so obviously what happens is, uh, you know, so Dwan starts becoming more, uh, you know, uh, she becomes much more acceptable of Khan. So now what happens is you now have, the they've arrived on the island. So Prescott and the first mate, uh, Carnahan, and lead a rescue mission to save her. So they get to the log. Now, good God. The log looks fake as anything. Mm-hmm. It looks like a, a shellac. Just a drawing. Yeah. Well, no, but it looks like it looks like you know you know you know the, the fake you know the fake tree on six eighty four. Yeah. Right. Where it's clearly a fake tree because it's got a cell tower in it. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Right. That, we're going real local there, folks. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you know anyone who's local from the you know the the nine one four the eight four five understand. Um, but it looks fake, and then they're walking across it, and you're like, this is clearly just a prop on a stage. That they're walking across. Yeah, because the rest of it, it looks like it's almost watercolor. Yeah, it it, it doesn't look right, in, you know, kind of thing. So uh, they go to cross the bridge, and of course Kong now shows up. Um, Jack is able to like hide underneath, just like in the regular. And now, and then no one except literally the uh, the um, one guy. One guy tries to get off the log. Everyone else, nope, we're not going to get off the log. We're just going to stand there. And they've, and it's not like Kong is standing. I mean, he's he's got his hands on the log. He's roaring. A little ways back, they can see him. Yep. And they just stare there, and then they just sit on the log. Yeah. Or or grab what the appendages there on yeah. the log. Yeah. So the only one, uh, uh, Boone. Uh, uh, yeah. The only, the, I think he was the first mate. He's the. Yeah, well, he, the, the he's the last guy in the log. That's what he is. Right. Yeah. He's the last guy in the log. He's the only one who survived. But he there. was he was important uh, to, on the crew on the because the he ship. can set the charges. Yes. Okay. That's what he can do. He he has a point. He has something else to do in the movie. He can set the charges. Um, so Kong starts, of course, is off there and they fall to their death, um, into not a, a spider pit, not anything else, just the water, just the logger, a yeah, ravine, they, ravine, the they just fall. Um, we don't see what happens to them, but we assume they're all dead because, um, you know, they were told so, they're dead. It's a long way down. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, so then, uh, so Juan has taken, uh, Juan is actually back in Kong's lair and we get the giant snake. The only other creature in the movie is this giant snake. And this, I think, is the worst effect. I mean, I'm trying. Yeah. In King Kong Lives, there's not an effect as bad as this, right? I'm trying to remember. This is it's really bad, but it's definitely mechanical. You, it you know, moves like you know. It, you know what actually moves better? It like, Those wooden snakes. You like? Well, play. that's what I was gonna say. It's like a, it's like a toy snake 
that 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 you you wind up yeah and and it's like a it, wiggles, and it wiggles across the the, the room and the, the head in in a close up I mean well from when when it's coming at you the head looks very much like reptilicus yeah well reptilicus actually look better but because it was made of rubber this was actually like yeah, you I'm, could see it just was robotics underneath it just it's just poor but that is not Rick Baker's uh, thing that of nope. course is Rivaldi. And uh, the, imagine a Kong look like that too. Yeah. Oh my God. Like then, no, no matter how well you clean the Blu-ray up, I don't think I could ever sit through it. Um, so of course the the giant snake is going to attack. So Kong shows up, and then in the scene where he rips the snake's uh, mouth, well, Jack and Dwan start escaping, and Kong, in a fit of rage, snaps the the head and rips it apart. And that's actually pretty good looking because there's like real meat bits and stuff in yeah. there. Um, so, so Jack and Juan escape and Kong starts chasing them, right? So they get to the cliff and they jump into the river. Now that can't be the same cliff. They just, they just threw guys off because right. they died. Kong doesn't follow them into the river because Jack is like, well, gorillas can't, can't swim. swim. Remember that now it'll be important later. So as they're coming back, cause now obviously they got to come uh, back to the native village. Uh, Wilson's already had the great idea. He goes, look, the oil, they find out that the oil would need another like 10,000 years to be usable, right? It's so horrible. So he's going to now get Kong. He's going to bring Kong back because the one thing about uh, um, you know, Wilson in this movie is he's like, well, I got it. He, he really wants to be the A number one. Yeah, right? Got to have, something, gotta have big. something big. So he's going to get something big. He's going to get Kong. So um, they he has them drop in uh Vat. I don't know how they say that. Like they're just like. Well, they they are not vats. Well, again, from the ship, they bring a lot of bulldozers to dig to dig a right, huge okay. trench. Right, but they have them air drop in these canisters, oh, canister, giant uh, canisters of chloroform, of right? Chloroform, right? Giant canisters of chloroform. So now they have these giant canisters of chloroform. They dig this giant hole, which makes perfect makes sense. sense. Right inside the door, he wouldn't be able to see it. This is a perfect trap to set for him. And they set up all the chloroform inside there. So when Jack and Duan get back, they get through the door. Kong is hot on their trail. Although, according to them, Kong is moving at 2.5 miles per hour. That would mean Kong is basically standing still. Right. Um, because 2.5 miles per hour is not fast. It's, it's a saunter. Yeah, it's not even a saunter. It's like he took a step, scratched his butt, stood there for a while, took a step. Right? So what happens is um, Kong is chasing them. He bursts through the door. It actually looks great when he yeah. bursts through the door. The, the, the problem is the miniature, or it's in this case, yeah, this is technically miniatures. They're not bigatures. They're big. They're miniatures. Mm-hmm. In this case. They look awesome in this movie. They, somebody did a lot of good work on things. It's just that what's around it isn't good. And when you have poor acting and a poor story, like, and it's not even like this poor acting. It's like there's just nothing to go with. But I love when Kong comes through. Of course, he falls right into the trap. Some stuntman did. I don't know if it was Rick Baker. Right. And they, of course, dump the chloroform. So now there is literally a, a mushroom cloud of chloroform coming up out of the ground. No one else is affected, just Kong, though. So it's a good thing that the chloroform is very selective of who it knocks out. Anyway, so now he's out. So they then use the machinery and stuff and get Kong onto the ship. Now, that's always been the issue. How did he get Kong back? The venture wasn't big enough. How did this happen? Well, you know, we saw in uh, you know King Kong Escapes, they put him on balloons. We saw in uh, Godzilla versus King Kong, uh, you know, they... Uh, they, they, no, they no. put him on the raft, the raft. right? We saw in uh, uh, Godzilla versus Kong, oh, yeah, we saw them uh, try to put him on a boat, and then they, they couldn't put him on the boat, so they flew him through the air. Oh, like yeah, right, you know, yeah. it's all different things have happened. 
Um, their whole thing was to put them in the brig of the ship, not the brig, the uh, the cargo, the um, the, 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 the tanker, oil, the oil, oil tanker, which is empty. That is brilliant, right there, folks. There is exactly what we're talking about. That's the kind of smart stuff you need to do. Um, so of course he's in there and he gets real angry and starts pounding on the ship and he's going to wreck everything. And he's he knocks he's knocking bolts out of the ship, right? Off, of, off on the other side of the wall. Right. So they want to flood him and drown him. Right, because that's going to be because that's going to be right now a dead monkey being better than a live one. So of course, Duan goes out to you know uh, comfort him. She falls, he catches her. I don't understand how that looks so bad. Still, yeah. um, it looks atrocious. Like how is Superman flying with Lois Lane in Superman that much crisper and better than a movie made with more money? Yeah. You know, same time frame, same time. You know, it's not like that much different time frame. I mean, it's like you know, but she's. She, it seems like she's superimposed she 100% on, is. On, a, on a wall that's moving up yeah. up behind her. She's static, and the picture's yeah. moving. It's like, ugh. So, and then Kong's hand comes out, whatever. Anyway, so what happens then is um, she's able to get Kong to calm down, but he's pretty despondent um, because he now knows that he's now no longer the king of anything. He's been all he's trapped, right? So Wilson decides now that you got to have to sign a contract. He's going to do the Beauty and the Beast thing. We'll go around. He signs Duan to a contract, Dak to a contract, and they're going to do this display of Beauty and the Beast in New York City. Okay, so they get back to New York City, and, they, and you have um, the grandstands are full, and that's like after Coney Island, right? Coney Island. Right? And so they wheel in Kong. And, and again, I like everything up to this point. It makes sense. The giant gas pump makes sense. Everything makes sense. They wheel in Kong, and they, they bring it up, and what's he's inside an escape-proof cage which looks 100% escapable. Like, it doesn't even look like it's holding him well. Right. But he has the giant crown on his head. Yeah, but his arms his arms are, are free not, almost. Yeah. His arms are free. Now, the, the, the cage supposedly is, is not like an Iron Maiden, but it's it's similar to that without, Same idea. without spikes yeah. so that he, he can't get his arms out and up. Yeah. But he's able to but they, they, they get up there and, of course, as always, the... The media ruins everything. Yeah. Uh, they start taking pictures. They're getting too close. They're pulling on Duan. Jack, who is clearly on the other side of everything, um, is yelling to, I think, the lady next to him. Yeah. I don't think he's actually, don't do it, I mean, don't. But, you know, I, what, I, what I really don't understand is what the hell were the the uh, reporters, what was their what was their gain of, of grabbing her and yanking her? I mean, she's standing there waiting for you to take all the pictures. They're taking it like they wanted to rip one arm off here, one arm yeah, off I don't, there, we don't know. and then just take it back to the office and say, "Well, I got, I got a piece of the, a piece of the puzzle." Here. It that that was it. That was again when you watch this thing, and, and it's one dumb thing after another. When you get to this, you wind up sitting back and you're not even laughing anymore. Right, right. It's it's almost it's almost like a god damn, you know. Yeah. So sorry, folks. So. Uh, so um, so now, of course, he breaks free, and of course, uh, Dwan is able to escape, and she now somehow manages to find Jack, who has been whispering to a lady next to him. And they go out to the parking lot, where Kong can look over the top of everything, and there's thousands of people running. He sees their horrible car. They get out of the car, and they start running. So he's watching them. He then kicks through the styrofoam and cardboards uh, that, that is holding together the stadium, and he's now going to chase them down, Right. So he destroys. So he sees them get on the elevated train. So he's going to destroy the elevated train. The problem is Kong's size changes from scene to scene. Here, the train is way too big. 
because the trains aren't that big, so his size must have shrunk a little. Mm-hmm. But then the next scene, he's well, even bigger. Well, again, that, well, that was one of the issues in the original Colin, too, is that his, his size changed. But here, again, another continuity issue here. They get on the subway train, and they're yeah. going away from Kong. Yes. Kong is behind them. Yep. Yet Kong winds up in front of them as the train is pulling towards him. Yep. I don't know. I'm not sure, folks. I mean, again, I, I mean, I only grew, I only grew up in New York, so, and I've been on the L a few times. Dad's been on the L a they few don't, times. They don't. They, they, they don't. They don't. They don't do. They don't do three sixties anywhere in the middle of it. Um, and it wasn't like they went around the whole loop and were coming back around. So he destroys the elevated train. And of course, uh, you know, Jack and Dwan are the only ones who know how to escape the train by bu- busting out the window and opening the door. And then uh, they go and they cross the Queensboro Bridge. No, the Brooklyn Bridge. No, they're not the Brooklyn no, no, Bridge. No. They cross the Queensboro because they call the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. They have the most stereotypical New York people. All they needed was to have like Irish brogues and be called Officer O'Malley's and whatever. Yeah, but, see, but from, from Coney Island, you're going to go over the Brooklyn Bridge. To get I 100% understand, right. but they yeah. said they went over the Queensboro, <laughs> right? That's the problem is that they didn't go over the right bridge. So uh, so they, they, they go over the Queensboro Bridge to Manhattan. Where, uh, so now Kong can't pursue them because the bridges are all mined and they're ready to go. And as Jack, you know, has told uh, Dwan, and she reminds him, gorilla, you know, uh, apes can't swim. So what does Kong do? He jumps in the river. And there's no way, again, Kong's size changing. And I don't know how deep the East River is, that it's way above his head. Right. No, it's right? deep, yeah. Yeah. So he's got to be swimming at some point, you know. It's not like he, you know, like I mean, they, bring, they, bring, they bring big big ships down through there. Yeah. Now, again, we I we assume – I'm gonna. I'll be. I'll be a little, little uh, complimentary here too, because I assume that he that they they had the uh, the show on Coney Island because they you know they talked about the rides and stuff. But if it was in Queens, it could have been Shea Stadium. Yeah. Okay. But again, they're not in a baseball stadium, and there are no there are you know stadiums or any 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 outdoor uh, adventure things that are on the Queens side. But if he was on in Queens and he came, he would be coming across the Queensboro Bridge. Yeah, right. And you'd still have to swim the East River. Yeah, either way, it's the East River you got to cross. So of course now, uh, now that they put a river between them and Kong, Duan tells Jack to buy her a drink because that's what Duan needs is a drink. <laughs> so they go into a bar which is like underground, like an underground bar. There, um, there's no one in there. There's no possible way anyone knows they're there. Right? Kong has now swam the river. Comes up. Jack goes and starts calling the military and tells them he has to let Kong because uh, he, he so outside he sees the World Trade Center and he sees the moon. That's that, where he's going. And that's where he's going because on the on the island there's two mountains and the moon and Kong will understand that. And to let him climb the World Trade Center and that Jack will somehow talk him down. That's basically what he's going with, right? While this is going on, Dewan has decided to take other people's uh, you know mink coats. mink coats and try them on, and then magically. Kong somehow in this city of a million smells finds her smell and sticks his hand through the door of the bar. And then, of course, he's looking in the window like a peeping Tom with like the worst grin on his face ever. It's it's comical, folks, what it looks yeah. like. And yet Duan's entire uh, uh, you know way of getting away was to go, no, no, Jack, no. And literally Kong then just brings her out with him. And then he climbs the South Tower, right? So he's going to wind up climbing um, up, the, up the World Trade Center, right? So he's going to go. Um, well, from where she is, they he, they they show him walking up uh, from Wall Street, up on Fifth Avenue, and again you you can't walk north 
to get to the towers, which are at the base of Manhattan, as far south as you can go before you get into the the, the uh, uh, confluence of the Hudson and the East Rivers. Right. Okay. I mean, so the the, the, the where but again, if, if you're, but not, if you're from not New, New York, York or, okay. you don't know that, right? You don't know those. And the thing is, as Kong's walking up, the, a priest comes out of a church and watches him go by and then does the sign of the cross. The sign of the cross. Yeah. Okay. So um, he begins to climb the World Trade Center and then Jack and the military are in hot pursuit. Now, Jack, of course, he, he is able to get up the South Tower really fast. Like, the, the, and, I, and I know that the, obviously the towers are no longer with us, but like the idea, like it's not a quick, it's not like you're running up like a four story walk up. No. It's, it's hundred and it's, I remember, it's 110 stories. If I remember correctly, we had to, when we went, we were in there uh, when I was working, we had to take two elevators to get up to like the 60th floor. Or right. Like, because you just, one elevator is not going to be able to traverse almost a thousand feet. Right. But, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, you had to get off at around the floor 100 to get on another uh, uh, elevator to go to the roof. But again, that, that's... But he gets to the roof and he can't get to the roof. There's a bunch yeah. of doors say roof and he can't open it. Yeah. But what's happening is the, the, the military have the window the washer, washer thing and they're yeah. scaling the side of the building. Now, I'm willing to buy a lot of things. No, you're not doing that. Like... You say, but Jay, but in the movie Q, didn't they do that with the Chrysler building? They were manned in places. It wasn't there on the ground. Okay, buddy, let's go. Just like hit the button. Because you think the elevator's slow? Good Lord, how long is that going to take, you know? So, but they go up there and Jack is screaming at them because they promised they weren't hurting him. And, of course, there's Kong uh, on top of the South Tower with Dwan with him. And they get off and they have a bunch of flamethrowers, right? Because we haven't done enough to this ape so far. Let's burn him, Right? Beat them or burn them. They go up pretty quick. That's, uh, that's uh, what do you call it? That's uh, neither of them dead. Um, so they attack him with flamethrowers, and he leaps from the south tower to the north tower. Now, he does have to catch himself and get up on there, and, and Dewan is holding on for dear life. But it's like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm, again, I'm willing to accept hey, as a giant ape. I mean, we, I don't know. We actually had uh, one of the Walendas actually walked yeah, across right. the tower. Yes, but I'm saying is, but still. I mean, he jumps across, and then Jack is super pumped for him now because now Jack is on Team Kong. Well, that, this, the next question is, how the hell does Jack get from the South Tower to the North Tower? Well, he doesn't. He's in the South Tower watching him. Oh, okay. Right? How does he get down, down there is the issue. Yeah. It's not getting over there. So now Kong is on the, the, the North Tower. He picks up pieces of the roof and under. thankfully doesn't throw him over him. He leases underhand lobbing them at them. He throws a giant tanker of whatever. The, water the, tank? Well, it's not a water tank. It explodes. It hits them, oh, and, and I mean, who knows what was in it? Again, whatever that might have been, it hits the guy, and then now Jack is cheering the Kong murdering three people on a roof. Um, but why not? So now the military is going to attack, but they're going to bring helicopters because it's not good enough that you have like you know the biplanes like back in the day. You got to have Apache attack helicopters, which are each featuring a minigun the side. No, so those of you are like, well, what minigun are you talking about, Jay? A real small gun? No. Remember the movie Predator? Yes. Remember the movie that remember the Jesse Ventura has? Yes. That is what on the side of these things. They fire a thousand rounds a minute or something, something like, like that, that, right? It's insane how many bullets they put out. That is what they're bringing to come at Kong. Now this is where Duan says, "Don't put me down. They won't kill me." I'm going to be very honest with Duan. She has a very high opinion of herself. 
um, in this movie. She thinks she's far more important than she is. Uh, the reality is, if you had a giant gorilla on the top of the Empire uh, uh, World Trade Center, excuse me, and it just murdered three army guys with a throwing a tanker at it to blow them up, yeah, um, they're think, shooting her. I think the needs of the many outweigh the needs yeah, of the few. It's, it's one, one blonde. One. one blonde is like, oh, no, I'm more important. Me is demi-important, right? Um, so they, so he finally puts her down, and, of course, now they start ripping Kong apart with these bullets. Yeah, I mean, the ripping is a yeah. good word. And, and the thing is, though, like, there's no way he could have sustained as many shots as he did because literally it's just the rounds are coming so fast. They would have torn his flesh from his bones. But, of course, he jumps up and he knocks down one of the helicopters, crashes it. They shoot him some more. He knocks on another helicopter. And finally, um, he's, he collapses on the roof of the tower. Now, the thing is, the World Trade Center was humongous, and Kong is huge. But he, he's now laying there, but his scale is wrong again. He's too small. But then when they get, he's now insanely big when he falls off. But he falls off the top of the World Trade Center. He falls 110 stories to the ground. Right. There's not a boom, there's not an indentation, there's right. not a dust cloud, there's nothing. There's just now Kong laying on the street. And no blood. No, well, there's there is some blood, but it's not like, no, it, but it wouldn't be the amount of blood you know he had. It's the blood from his mouth. Like no, you can see yeah. when he's shot, right? So now Duan is on the roof. We already know there is no roof access available to her to get down. She is on the ground with him. She somehow gets to the ground. Jack somehow magically gets all the way back down to the ground. The reporters are standing all over Kong, taking his pictures, which is actually a pretty iconic scene. And climbing all they're climbing all over him. him. The cops like, get off of here, you're doing, you know, kind of thing, right? And and then, so there's Duan, and she's scaling for Jack, and Jack's like, starts going towards her because he's going to rescue her. And then he goes, you know what? You got what you wanted. You wanted to be famous? Great. And he walks away because at the end of the movie, we needed Jack to be a real jerk because he he's supposed to be the hero, right? Because it's not Charles Grodin the hero. He... He supposedly gets stepped on and crushed by Kong, but we don't know that he's really dead, depending on which version you watch, right? But that's a problem. Like, why does Jack do that? He doesn't go to her rescue her. He doesn't go to take her away, you know, because because what? Wilson's not there to give Denim speech. You know, it wasn't you know it wasn't planes that killed him. It was Beauty killed the beast, right? But so he's not there. So Juwan is just standing there crying and screaming, and that's how you end the movie. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Mm. Like. I'm not asking for I'm not asking for the most amazing what a twist ending ever, but like I don't know an ending might make sense, and this is just kind of like this movie. It's a popcorn fart. That's what it is. It's it's you know a lot of, a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing, right. and that's what this whole movie is. That ending is apropos to what we got the entire time. It's there she is standing there, the the the, the dead monkey's behind her. We all know he's not dead. He's in the sequel, right? But like he's there. They're, the reporter's around. She got what she wanted. She's now famous. There you go. Yeah. The, you know, one of the things, that, I mean, this, this movie did not lack for money. Uh, John Barry was the, uh, the he was the uh, uh, the composer for the movie. And the soundtrack uh, to the movie is really good. No, oh, yeah. And, you know, so it's, I'm saying, there were, you know, if you had to, if you had to go from one to ten and all the different things, five were misses, three were hits. Yeah. And two were almost. Right. And that's what you got. So the, the reviews on this movie when it came out were not not favorable. I mean, because they, they said it's got a lot of special effects that are marvelous. Like there was people were felt like they were whatever. But at the end of the day, they felt it just wasn't it didn't hold up to the original Kong because it didn't. Um, but people were also very afraid to give really negative reviews because you didn't want to be the guy who 
blasted a Dino De Laurentiis Multiple, movie, right. and then that came back to bite you where you sit because you needed your job at the newspaper. Um, that, like we said, the movie made a lot of money, um, and it wound up winning. Um, uh, it wound up getting an Academy Award nomination with a win for best visual effects for Car uh, Carlo uh, Rambaldi, Gene uh, Robinson, and Frank Vander uh, Vanderveer. Um, and then it shared it with Logan's Run. So both Logan's Run and this were given in a non-competitive. The only two movies in the category were Kong and Logan's Run. They both were given the award. Yeah, and right? I, and, I, and the thing is that Lombardi, who really needed needed, uh, he had, he was lucky as hell because the the, the garbage that he actually uh, De Laurentiis to use yeah. was not used. Yeah. But yet he was given all this credit when they should have given a, a special award for well, just like the just like Andy Serkis now. I mean, Andy Serkis is, he is Kong. And, and, well, yeah, he's and, Kong and, and he's Cornelius also, yeah, and everything else. Yeah, but I'm saying, but, and they recognize that. Right. Yeah. Here, the, most of the movie is is Baker in the suit, yeah. and that's all the special effects, and yet he got nothing. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, and, and again, you know, we talked about the, the, the whole idea um, where, you know, there was how, why did, why who got, you know, who was able to get Kong to where we were first? Universal felt they had the rights. De Laurentiis had secured the rights. There was, you know, money being changed hands, percentage of the film's gross, like all these things, all that behind the scenes, you know, kind of like stuff that goes on in Hollywood, right? Um, but a lot of it, what happened was is that, you know, eventually the movie becomes public domain and Universal then in 2005 does the remake with Peter Jackson. And special effects wise, there's, I mean, huh. the movie's, you know, got no equal, you know, kind of thing for what it does. Right. You know, and the key is this, and, I, and we said this, there are no other dinosaurs or animals in this entire movie. When you watch Peter Jackson's Kong, it's all full of dinosaurs yeah. and bugs. I mean, the, the spiders bit scenes crazy. I mean, just normal animals. Yeah, right. And the issue becomes that um, a lot of people love this movie because this is the King Kong they grew up with. They're the, they're the right age where this was super important to them. They listen to all the hype. Everything from the late 70s is the greatest thing in the world. Um, and whatever. And again, if you love this movie, great. That's cool. Uh, but understand that, like, if you're looking at this from a and, and divorce yourself from your feelings towards it, just divorce it. But look at it from a technical aspect and what's there. We talked about the good stuff, the effects, the whatever. We talked about what's good, but you you cannot. I, I, I cannot believe in good faith. Anyone can say to me that story was riveting. Right. The biggest thing you can do is not be boring. Yeah. Like and it had good parts. That's what the problem is. If it was all boring, you'd be like, okay, no one knows what they're doing. But it was just boring when it didn't need to be boring, and it was wasn't thrilling. It wasn't. It's an adventure. It's not thrilling. I mean, when I when I finished watching that movie, well, we saw it. I saw it with your mother, uh, obviously before you were born. When we came out of there, I was disappointed. Yeah. I mean, the I would be the disappointment was in that. I mean, I, I, when I remember, I mean, uh, it's a long time ago, but I remember coming out of there and saying. What a waste of time. Yeah. And and I, I mean, that's why when you said we're going to do this, I don't think I've watched that movie ever since. Because I just, to me, it makes, it, it's not something I, I want to be uh, reminded of. Well, I remember watching with Luke. Cause, cause it, well, no, we, I'm sure. No, we, we, Luke, okay, so Luke and I watched it. Um, th there was a time when uh, um, they, what do you call it? Like, uh, was it, AB, one of them, one, someone paid a, a lot, $8 million dollars. To show it two different times. The problem, I think it was NBC. Yeah, NBC, or, NBC, my, NBC or ABC. One of them did because they thought this was going to be it. Because I guess ABC numbers. 
It opened on 1,500 screens worldwide. Right. It grossed $26 million in 10 days. $26 million, $1,976 in 10 days. That's insane. Yeah. Right? Um, and then what happens, it would go on, um, it went on to grow $52 million in the U.S. and Canada and over $90 million worldwide. The fourth highest grossing film of 76 domestically and the third highest grossing film of 1976 worldwide. Now, you have to remember that in 76, you were between Jaws and Star Wars. And so the, I am trying, I was, I, it, it's beyond me to try okay, to remember. Okay, so you want to know what it is? Okay, so here we go. So in 19, uh, it says 19, it's got to be 19, 1976 movies, worldwide box office. Uh, Rocky made uh, 220 right. and two, uh, 225 million dollars, right? Worldwide, right? The, the To Fly, the movie called To Fly with an exclamation point, I've never heard of it. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Made 120 million dollars. Kong made 91, Midway at 66, Osborne 63, Silver Streak 51. All the President's Men, 51. And what, the so, Omen, 59. Well, that's what I was going to say. Think, look at the... Hang on. Think, the Enforcer, 46. Right. Bad News Bears, 42. Other than Midway, there's no there's no big budget special effects movie. They're all talkies. Okay. So wait. So here we go down to the list a little further. Right? Uh, Pink Panther Strikes Again, Murdered by Death. Taxi Driver at, at 28. Yeah, Marathon Man. Carrie is probably the, the effects movie on... Well, The Omen. No, The Omen's here. No, no, but, yeah, the but, the, no, but, the Omen, that, but the Omen was... That's, but that's also Gregory Peck and... Right, also, uh, and yeah. yeah. I mean, when you think about that, those are all basically talk movies. Yeah. They're not... They're not... To me, the, the, the Omen was, was almost as scary as The Exorcist. Yeah. No, but that, that's, not the, that's not the year of... Star Wars, Star no, no, no. Trek. But, no, okay, but here, but Carrie made twenty, almost twenty six, and Logan's Run made twenty five. Yeah. They're at seventeen and eighteen. Those are probably the only other movies that had effects in them, like I mean, right. major, major effects, effects, major effects in them. Um, because Taxi Driver doesn't have that. That's talking. No, it's. Uh, I mean, the enforcers, are, are, you know, people getting shot right. and killed. Right. Um, I mean, Midway had to have some effects in it because yeah. it's. No, you know, but Midway, Midway was thing with Midway. Midway was one of those movies that had nine different stars in it. All playing, right. you know, from Charlton Heston to John Wayne, you know, just like all of, like the the airplane movies that yes. came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they airport, airport, not airplane. The, the, the airport movies. They'd have they'd have fifty different stars. Some of them were were big time, but old. Some of them were big time and now, and others were you know just starting out. And then later on, you'd say, wow, that was they had a movie there. Okay, so but, so the movie To Fly, the why you know I've never heard of it. It was an IMAX movie. Okay. It was it was it was an IMAX movie, right? Yeah. I've never heard of it. Okay, real quick. Uh, it was a short documentary by Jim Freeman and uh, made for a screening at the National Air and Space Museum. Oh, okay. So that's what it is. If you had to buy to get in. Buy to buy to get in. Yeah. So 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 okay. So that's not even fair. That's not even fair to put that in with that. So right. except for Rocky, I mean, Rocky. and Rocky was the movie. The movie of '76. Yeah. So. De Laurentiis thought he had the movie of 76, but really Rocky became the, thing, the movie of 76. Think about this. He he opened it on Christmas Day. What, what? Rocky? No. no. No, he opened it a week before Christmas. That's yeah. what I'm saying. But yeah. he opened it during Christmas, yeah. expecting it to get the Christmas crowd. With a movie like that, why wouldn't you have opened it on July 4th? You I know, know. I mean, the summer blockbusters, the year Well, before. remember, they didn't finish filming until June. Or whatever. Oh, no, no, they, I don't know. No. So, so, but he wanted it out in 70. I think he had to get it out in 76. Well, he wanted it for the Academy Awards. Right. Too. But I'm saying, but he had to get it out in 76. You made your money in 77 with Kong. 
But the thing is, I think the thought is that Kong is evergreen and he'll make money no matter when you put him out. Mm. Um, there, there's, I mean, but the thing is, when Rocky's making two hundred and twenty-five million dollars, and then your number two actual movie, not a documentary, think about, is ninety. Think about nineteen seventy-six, two hundred twenty oh, million dollars. That's a billion dollars. Yeah, today. Well, well, you know, it's right? six hundred thousand. Yeah, it's six six hundred. I mean, the thing with the thing with Rocky, right? So, but you know, it doesn't matter. The thing was, Rocky was important uh, for what it was. Yeah, the thing with Rocky was, it was. I mean, Rocky was well. Everybody yeah. went to see it two and three times. Yeah. I mean, so again, the the movie prices back then uh, in '76 maybe it was three dollars, five five dollars, whatever the most. No, not even that much, probably. On a, on a, on a, oh, and maybe for a Friday night, like Friday a night, night. Yeah, kind of thing. But yeah, because I remember movies being, you know, not that that expensive in the eight in the late '80s when I was actually doing yeah. things. I mean, they were, you know, only six seven. I mean, when you guys when we when you guys when we used to babysit, we used to pay, you know, ten to fifteen dollars. Because that was what the you know the going rate was, so you mean like well no 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 but no but okay that's a different story though but like I I got but like it doesn't matter the idea behind ticket prices though you're you just for inflation uh you know two and a quarter you know two two hundred and twenty five thousand million dollars it's probably up in your fives you know kind of thing it's not it's not nothing to sneeze at but it's it's certainly the the discrepancy though to be over a hundred million dollars difference in it's over a hundred million. It's almost I mean, it's almost one and a half million difference between your one and your two because Kong's really the number two movie movie, right? right? That's crazy. There's no way that they're that much di- like a hundred million dollars difference. Like it's, it's 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 one it's you know it's 150 a little less than 150 million dollars. That doesn't happen. 150 million no no movie made that much except for Rock. Right. So, I mean, De Laurentiis thought he had uh, a huge hit. He thought he had the, this blockbuster. But when they didn't get it filmed, done in time, they put it out at Christmas thinking, oh, okay, I'll steal all the Academy Awards. The movie will carry through. Now, remember, it, it was always said that you didn't release movies in the winter because it was a dead time, right? right. And then that's when R-rated movies, back in the, when R-rated movies became a thing, you released them in February because that was when you dumped your R's. Uh, thanks to like movies like 300 proved you could make lots of money during that time. But he had the Christmas crowd, everyone word of mouth. Again, oh, he made twenty six million. Kind of thing, like on a twenty five million dollar budget, making you know nine ninety million dollars, yeah. that's a great investment. I'm sure De Laurentiis would have loved to have made two hundred million dollars on it. But by the same token, this is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, but you see, he wanted to be like DeMille, you know. Oh, I know. That. Yeah. And it, it never. But well, I mean, not that he wasn't the director, but he never. He never I, mean, he, I don't want to say he well, his never, movies made a lot. He made, he made hit, a lot of money. A lot of money. But critical, critically acclaimed. No, there's no, no, no. But that's the um, whole thing. But if you look at like Academy Awards, no, like the Dino, like his production company, right? I mean, you know, they produce movies that were. I mean, he's he's had over movies. You know, over 38 movies were up for Academy Awards. He's part of. I mean, he's done ton, the, the 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 whole idea of what what's happening. You know, they've had all these success, but the problem is. When you look at the the movies that they're known for, right? You know, I think, uh, I mean, it's going. It's the late '40s, like I mean, that's when they started doing their thing. But they were known, and they were making movies right through all that time. And he wasn't when they made this, obviously. But when you get into like, um, you know, the movies that were like '73 was Serpico, uh, you know, Papers. Like these were not movies that were going to win you Academy Awards. They were good, but they weren't doing any of that. And then eventually, he actually got involved. With like uh, like the Conan movies and things yeah. like that. So and then later on, you know, Conan Destroyer. But then he got into more, uh, you know, things 
that came down the line that were uh, like you know the um, like Red Dragon and uh, the uh, you know Hannibal Rising and U five seven one at near the end you know kind of thing. So, but be it man, we're not here to you know kind of badmouth anybody about you know whatever they did. It can, there's there's a good one. So no, but here's the thing is, and, and this is something that that um, people people don't love when I say this, but it's 100 percent true because Robert Downey Jr. did say this. He goes, there's two kind of people in it: people who make movies because they want to make movies to win awards. And people who make movies because they like to make lots and lots of money. He goes, I have lots and lots of money, right? You are never going to see a Marvel movie win an Academy Award for Best Acting. But Iron Man, you know, I mean, how many movies has Robert Pitch? For a guy who, when he was younger, he's now loaded on doing those things. So either your movies are going to make lots of money or they're going to be critically acclaimed. Because the chance that you get both. That's like that's hitting the lottery. That's Spielberg. Yeah, but but I'm saying, but that's hitting the lottery. Like, yeah. But even Spielberg has flops. Oh sure, you know kind of thing. But movies that are critically acclaimed, like across the board, and make lots and lots of money, those are almost mutually exclusive. They don't go together very often. Yeah. And so you know you have to decide. So I mean, did De Laurentiis kind of decide here? Well, I can make a lot of money doing this, and he did make a good chunk of money. You know, if you told to somebody, hey, you're going to put in 25 and get 90 back, I mean, that's pretty good investment in my day. So. Anyway, folks. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's uh, throw this out here to you. Did you see Kong 76 when you were younger? And it's like your favorite Kong movie of all time. I'd love to hear from you. And, uh, you know, uh, again, if, if, it, if Kong, if you love this movie, you know, not ironically, I don't mean like, oh, it's so great. You know, it's comedy you know, kind of thing. Right. But you actually like Kong 76 as being your favorite Kong movie. We'd love to hear from you. Like, tell us why. Like, what is it that is, is there? Is it is it literally because you were five years old and you saw it and you fell in love with movies because of this? Like, And that's okay as a reason. But, like, I would love to hear someone say, hey, it's because X, Y, and Z or whatever it is. Um, and we'll definitely, you know, uh, you know, if you send that in, we'll read it on the show and give you our feedback and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, I think that about does it for Kong 76. Yeah. Um, next time you hear Dad and I, we're going to kick off October, you know, for our spooky October um, we're going to go back to 1981 and a director who you might have heard of. He hasn't done much ever, though. His name's Oliver Stone. He made a little movie called The Hand, which some people consider to be a lost classic and some people wish just stayed lost. But either way, the brand new Blu-ray just came out. It's pristine compared to the old beat up VHS you used to have um, that you might have rented at a mom and pop video store sometime in the 80s. But we're going back to 1981 for Michael Caine in The Hand when you hear us in October. So, folks. That about does it for this time out. Like we say around here, keep those cards and letters coming and keep watching the skies. This is Tokyo, once a city of six million people. What has happened here was caused by a force which up until a few days ago was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown. An unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. Hi folks, Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters, or as they're called in Japan, Daikaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. 
please check out Earth Destruction Directive at twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality. This has been an episode of Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. If you'd like to contact me, please email the show at botsbugsbabes at gmail.com. If you'd like to find me online, I'm on Facebook under my name, Jason Jacknetti. I often contribute to the Two True Freaks Facebook group. You can visit my Facebook page, The Art of Horror Collective, and you can search the hashtag, The Art of Horror Collective. On Instagram, find me under my name, Jason Jacknetti, and search the hashtag, The Art of Horror Collective, as well as the new hashtag, Bots, Bugs, Babes Podcast. I'm the only one using them. I'm also on Twitter, at Jason Jacknetti, and you can visit my webpage at www.theartofhorrorcollective.wordpress.com. All movies, characters, stories, music, etc. are properties of their respective holders. This is a fan work, and any use of any property is purely for review, discussion, entertainment. So don't sue me. I ain't got anything anyway. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow.